comes to uh, giving, we'll be teaching on the principles of giving. So this is part three. And uh, today I want to focus on specific kinds of giving that the Bible highlights, specific kinds of giving within God's kingdom. Acts chapter 20 verse 35. Acts 20 verse 35 is our key text where the scripture, the scripture says our Lord Jesus is being quoted. Paul says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's just briefly go over some of the things we have said, what I shared in the last two weeks in particular. We talked about the fact that when, we, when it comes to giving, we're not just simply talking about giving money, we're talking about giving as a principle. When it comes to giving, whether it's of our resource, whether it's of our time, whether it's of our influence, whether it's of our strength, when it comes to giving, first and foremost, as a child of God, our giving comes out of our worship to God. So we give out of the overflow of our worship. In other words, we give because we want to honor God. We give because we want to please God. We give because we want to demonstrate our love for God. So our giving is informed by our worship. And I gave you an assignment two weeks ago. How many of you remember the assignment? It was to give anonymously to someone, to give anonymously to someone. Who did it? Who did it? Wow, let me see the obedient children of God. Let me see. Who did it? Can I see? So the rest of you, either you weren't in church or you disobeyed. So you will have another opportunity. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, I live by grace. I live by grace. So, you know, give a gift to somebody, but make sure they don't know it's you. That's what they mean by anonymously. So you give a gift to somebody, but they wouldn't know it's you. So I want to encourage you to do that. It's great. And we talked about the fact of the Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as an example of givers. These were believers who were extremely poor, but they had the tremendous grace of giving, where they were willing to give above and beyond their ability in spite of their circumstance in spite of their poverty. And as believers, we're encouraged to do that. We're encouraged to give in a manner that goes above and beyond what is convenient for us. We also talked about the blessing in giving. What is the blessing in giving that our Lord Jesus was referring to? We said, number one, the blessing in giving is as follows. There is a general blessing in life because of our giving. Proverbs 22, 9 says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. Another blessing in giving comes by our giving enabling us to succeed. Giving empowers us to succeed. Isaiah 32 verse 8, the scripture says a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand, or he shall be established. By generosity... A generous man or a generous woman is established. We also said that a lot of blessing in giving is that when we give, we are sowing to our spirit. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, verse 7 and 8, it 
says that God do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you sow to your flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to your spirit, you will of the spirit reap life everlasting. So when we give out of a good heart, we're actually sowing into our spirit good things. Another blessing that comes from giving, we said, is that it has eternal ramifications. In other words, we will have a reward in the age to come because of our giving. And as believers, one of the things we must recognize is that how we live our lives is not simply limited to what it looks like on this side of eternity. In other words, we don't live our lives simply for the gain we get in this life. But more important than that, we live our lives because there is an age to come. There is an eternity with Jesus where we will rule and reign with him on the earth forever. And uh, so as God's people, it is important that we, when we do things, when we're doing things for people, when we're giving, we give with eternity in mind. We'll touch more on that a little bit later if we have time. Luke chapter 16 verse 9, our Lord says, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, or use deceitful riches to make friends for yourself, that when you fail or when you die, they may receive you into an everlasting hope. In other words, our Lord is saying, use money in such a way that after you die, the good works you do will put you in a good standing before God. The good works you did with your money, rather, will put you in a good standing before God. And then, the fifth reason why it is more blessed to give than to receive is this. It increases our capacity for more. There's a principle in God's word that he who has more will be given. And from the one who something is, uh, the little that somebody already has is then taken away from them. In other words, the more you learn to be generous with what you have and you're giving and you're giving, you increase your potential to be able to receive more. And in Luke 16 in particular, our Lord says something. He says in verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So the more you learn to be faithful through your giving in small things, the more God can trust you with bigger things. Can you say amen? And where we ended was here, the sixth point. The blessing of giving is that there is a specific reward attached to specific kinds of giving. Specific rewards attached to specific kinds of giving in specific contexts. And Matthew chapter 10 verse 42 in particular, our Lord says this, whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, he says, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So here what the Lord is showing us is this, even a simple cup of water that is given from a good heart because of him. We give somebody a simple cup of water because that person is a follower of Jesus. He says you will receive a reward. So if I will receive a reward because of giving someone a cup of water, how much more when I go above and beyond and I seek to be generous and I seek to give in context that God promises a reward. So let's talk about specific kinds of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 says this. So let each one of you 
or let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not gradually or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now let me reiterate this point. We're not simply talking about giving money. In fact, we're not really talking about giving money at this day. I will talk about giving money another time, but not today. We're talking very specifically about giving as a principle. Whether it's giving of love, whether it's giving of our time, whether it's giving of um, relationships, whether it's giving of our resource, or not just our money, whether it's of clothes or cars or whatever you've got. Uh, hallelujah. It's a cars for some of you. So some of you have cars. Hallelujah. Uh, or whatever it is that you have is given. And there is a principle we touched on earlier. Jesus our Lord says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. So the principle is whatever you give, you get back more. Whatever you give. Now it's a principle. So therefore, good or bad, whatever you give, you get back more. So if you don't like what you are getting right now in your life, examine what you've been given in the past. Hallelujah. That sharing note, let's continue. So when we talk about specific kinds of giving, it is in relation to those we give to. That's what I'm talking about specifically. Those we give to. Uh, as we've already said, all our giving springs out of our worship to God. In other words, when we're giving, it is because we want others to be blessed because we're desiring to honor God and we're desiring His will for our lives. And how we give or who we give to is, generally speaking, entirely up to us. It's entirely up to us. Just like He said there, each one should give as His purposes in His heart. So you decide in your heart who you give to, and you decide in your heart what you give. You decide. Not the pastor, not even the church. You decide. And I dare say it like this. Even God, when he invites us to give something, we still have a choice. We still have a choice. We can say yes, or we can say no. Hallelujah. Now there are, I want to highlight two uh, giving towards two specific areas, but I want to talk, I want to mention seven of them, and then I'll dwell on two. So the first area that we give towards is God's kingdom. Of course, God's kingdom is crucial, and we'll touch on that, but it's really, it is because of God's kingdom that all the other giving are, that we give as New Testament believers flows from. Now, let me say it like this. I am not talking about just any kind of giving because you can give towards good things, good endeavors, good endeavors, beneficial endeavors to the human race, which will still be outside of God's kingdom. There are many good causes that is outside of God's kingdom. In other words, those causes does not reinforce the will of God and the purposes of God. There are many. You might be wondering what, what kind. Anyone, can anyone tell me any? Just right there. Any good cause that is not necessarily the kingdom of God? Can anyone think of any? What's that? 
Different charities. What kind of charities? Animal charities. It depends what the animal is behind the animal charity. The right. Depends who's behind the animal charity. Water aid. It depends who's behind water aid. So it, a lot of it depends who's behind it. In this age of political correctness, you have to be careful what you say. But for instance, I'll give you an example. I'm going to say it. So any, any organization that exists that undermines the kingdom of God but is seeking to help humanity, so humanistic societies, occultic societies, religions that undermine the Christian doctrine of salvation through Christ, any charitable institution that is seeking to help people but undermines the kingdom of God, will not enforce God's will on the earth. So sometimes Christians confuse charitable acts with the kingdom of God. So they'll rather give to some charity than to be a church that they run to when they need help. Let's move on quickly. We'll come back to this point. So giving towards the kingdom of God. Number two, giving to the poor. Very important. And I want to dwell on those two in particular. Number three, giving to strangers and the vulnerable. Let's pause there a minute. What does it mean to give to strangers? Primarily, it's giving to foreigners. Look at your neighbor and say, we should help foreigners. You should help foreigners. Maybe you're sitting next to a foreigner, so you should help foreigners. You see, there's a lot of anti-foreigner rhetoric today. Sometimes some of us are accused of supporting anti-foreigner institutions and we don't. Even through the voting system. Let's just, I'm not going to go there. But giving to foreigners, God is very particular about helping foreigners and helping the vulnerable. And let me just touch on that quickly. If you have your Bible, look at what the scripture says in uh, Leviticus. Actually, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verse 34 and 30 to 36. Our Lord Jesus is speaking and he says this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger or a foreigner and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. These are Vulnerable people. These are people with needs. They are vulnerable. And God is very interested in the vulnerable, the weak, those who cannot help themselves in a certain context. Now, not all strangers and not all foreigners and not all vulnerable people are poor. There is a difference. But look at Leviticus 19. And I want, I want to quote this from the NIV. Leviticus 19, verse 33 to 34. He says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. Hallelujah. There is a lot of mistreating going on to foreigners. This was to Israel. This is like one of the civil laws that they have. He says in 34, The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. They must be treated like someone from Britain. 
they live with you. You see, this is my country. I'm not a foreigner. I don't look like a foreigner. I don't sound like a foreigner. I'm very British. I'm a British Ghanaian British. I only have one passport. It said British. So I British. So when others come into my country, when they come into my country, when white people come into my country, and black people come into my country, and brown people come into my country, I must treat them like I would treat another British person. You look a bit nervous, some of you. I am British. I didn't choose to be British. I was born British. Some of you, you chose to be British. You change your nationality. Some of the white people change their nationality, they became British. It's good. Some of the black people, they change their nationality. I didn't change. So sometimes the people ask me, where are you from? I say, Lambeth. That's how I was born. I am not a foreigner. Are you listening? I don't understand why you're looking so nervous. So when I see foreigners in my country, Children. I was trying to go 
They will still say it, but they don't marry me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hope this is okay. One day, oh Lord, forgive me. One day, my father, it was his birthday, and I said, Dad, I want to do something. He said, No, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Let's go, Dad. I want to do something. He said, No, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Okay. So his birthday came and went. I just gave him a card. So when he looked, he said, When he told me that he was very upset, the card, he just had the card. The church gave him a card, and I gave him a card. He said, When he, when he had the card, he was a big card. We got him as a church. God with a lot of signatures, a lot of signing and God bless you, you're done with all this person. He said, when I opened the card, there was nothing in the card. He said, if I had known that, I would have put the card and stepped in. I said, oh, but dad, you said, you didn't want anything. He said, oh. He said, did I? I said, yeah. Yeah, it's normal, it's normal. Sometimes, parents, we like to be pampered by our children. Are you there, please? We like to be part of our children. We like to be, you know, hallelujah. It's not that we need your money, but we want it sometimes. <laughs> Giving to our parents is also one of the ways in which we give towards God's kingdom. Another way of giving, now, these next ones, I have to declare an interest. <laughs> giving to our spiritual teachers, including those who preach the gospel full time. <laughs> I have scripture for this. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. It says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Wow. Don't be, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation so that you don't get confused by the English. It's very clear. Don't be misled. You cannot want the justice of God. You will always harvest what you lose harvest. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest as the last life from the Spirit. So what we're saying is this, that we as God's people, how we treat our spiritual teachers affects our spiritual life. And those who are taught by the word to share in the good things that they have. Another scripture, just so that we're clear, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. Now, I thank God that as a pastor, I'm really treated well by this church. So I thank God that you are a very nice church, kind church members. Very good. If you have this church, they're very good. They're very kind, very generous people. Clap for yourselves. Hallelujah. Okay, that's how you clap for yourself. All right, so let's move on. First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 and 14. New Living Translation says this. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. So that's very clear. Another form of giving in God's kingdom is giving to elders who rule among us. So this is like an overspill. So there are those who teach the word, and then there are the elders who may not necessarily teach, but who have responsibility over the church. The church has a responsibility to them. I declare an interest here as well. Let the elders who rule well, 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the world. So here you have those who rule over the church, oversee the church, and specifically those who labor in the world like me. Hallelujah. 
And then the last one is given towards the house of God. Again, I have to declare an interest. Boy, I'm declaring a lot of interest today. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He said, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So for us as New Testament believers, God's temple or God's house is the church. And therefore, we as God's people have a responsibility for God's church. You know, sometimes you hear all kinds of interesting things that people say about the church. Uh, they say the church, they want your money, the church, they're lying, the church is full of hypocrites. Have you said it? Have you said it before? I know I said it a lot. Uh, that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to be part of the church. Uh, the church is full of hypocrites. The church, they want your money. The church, well, what else did you say? What else did you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the truth is, any church, whether it's 10 people or 20 or 50 or 100, they run on several things. They run on prayer. Prayer. Prayer is very important. They run on teaching the word. Teaching the word. They run on love. Loving people. But you see, you cannot pay the bills with prayer. And you cannot pay the bills with love. And you cannot pay the bills with what else? What about nice thing that we say? Um, what, that, what else? Anointing, anointing. You pay the bills with money. And God doesn't do counterfeit money. He's not going to print money in heaven and give it to the pastors. Money comes from human beings who are part of the church. And not any church like, I can't expect church members in another church to give money to help run this church. But they've got their own bills. So the people who are part of the specific church are responsible financially to that church. See, even the chair you sat on did not come for free. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if we told you how much it costs to sit in this warm atmosphere, you might get a shock. See, so church needs money. And the money comes from God's people. If you are God's person, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. It seems that there's a lot of good people on this side. <laughs> Alright, so now let's go back to what we I really want to talk on. Which is two areas given towards the kingdom of God. I want to read something to you in Luke chapter 12. From verse 29 to 34. Our Lord is talking and he says this, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in your hands that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, like I've already said, giving towards the kingdom of God really speaks of giving to anything that God's rule can be executed. Because the kingdom of God simply is the rule of God. Where God reigns, where God has dominion. So God's kingdom starts in our hearts, 
but it is also expressed by how we live and it is demonstrated as his power is released in specific contexts. Ultimately, God's kingdom will come down one day on the earth and we will see it in full manifestation. That is fantastic. Now, given to the kingdom of God is therefore given to any context where God's rule is being executed. So it touches on any form of giving that approves of or reinforces his will on the earth. In that sense, for us as New Testament believers, any giving that will seek to honor God and that will seek to be towards something that God's will is being demonstrated in is given towards his kingdom. And this verse of scripture that we just read highlights some principles that governs how we give to God's kingdom. So the first thing is this. In verse 29, he says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Giving towards the kingdom of God begins with faith in God as our source. So we don't allow ourselves to have an anxious mind when it comes to our needs. When it comes to the things we, we, we want to see happen in our lives, or when it comes to um, what we, we are planning to do in the future, we don't do it from a place of anxiety, we do it from a place of faith in God. Now this is very important, because remember we're not just talking about money, we're talking about any form of giving, whether it's our time, whether it's our strength, whether it's in relationship, we give from a place of trust in God. We rely on God, we're looking to God, we're seeking to honor God. That's the first point. Second point is this. Giving in the, uh, regarding God's kingdom is done by renouncing the carnal way of seeing things. So we renounce a carnal worldview or a humanistic worldview. Verse 30 says this, all these things, the nations, of the world seek after. In other words, the way this world is run is through anxiety for things. It's from a place of anxiety. This world is driven through fear, through pride, through lust, desire for this, for that. And that's not how we are supposed to live our lives. We're supposed to live our lives from a place of peace in God and we renounce the world's worldview. Now, there are a lot of Christians who operate from this carnal worldview. They look at things from a place of how it affects them and a place of anxiety. You can do it even as a pastor. I can, I can function as a pastor trying to do God's work from a place of anxiety. I give, but it's from a place of anxiety. I'm afraid to offend people. I don't want to lose church members. I won't speak the truth, I'll compromise. All these things is because I, if I do that, it's because I have a worldly worldview. I have a carnal worldview. Another dynamic concerning kingdom giving is this. We give because we are pursuing God's rule as our priority. So 31, he says, verse 31, seek the kingdom of God. In fact, in Matthew 6.33, he says the same kind of narrative. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, as a child of God, when we are given, whatever we are given, 
We do it because we want God's will done. We do it because we want God's rule. So even when somebody hurts us, we don't respond in kind. We respond from a place of love because we want what? God's will to be done. Do you understand? Do you understand? You do it because, you know, sometimes giving, you give, give. Have you ever been in a relationship where you are giving, 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 giving? Have you ever been in a relationship like that? I didn't say, are you married to someone like that? I said, have you ever been in a relationship where you are not responding? Have you ever been in a relationship where you give, 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 and they don't give back? Or you feel like they don't give back? It's interesting. In, when you give it from a kingdom perspective, you don't give with an expectation. You don't give to people with an expectation to receive back. No, no, no. You give as an end in itself because you want God's will done. Can you say amen? Nothing one is notice in these verses is this. Kingdom giving is done because of reliance on God's generous provision. Verse 32, he says this. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, God is a good God. He wants to give you good things. The kingdom of God is full of good things. In his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The kingdom of God has superior pleasures to the pleasures of this world. The kingdom of God gives us superior privileges than any privilege you can experience in this world. But, you have to be prepared to rely on God, on His generous provision for your life, to provide for you His kingdom, His will, His rulership. So, kingdom giving has this sense of reliance on God for a generous outcome. And the fifth point is this, kingdom giving is given with eternity in mind. As verse 33 says, he says, sell what you have, give alms, um, and give alms, or give to the poor, provide yourself with many bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, nor fail, where no thief approaches or not destroys. In other words, kingdom giving sees the heavenly as its investment. When it does things, when it gives, whether whatever it gives, whether it's money, or whether it's um, emotion, or whether it's friendship, it does it because it sees that they are investing in heaven. That's what the treasure is. Where is your treasure? You know, treasure speaks of the thing you place value on, place the most value on. And as a child of God, the thing you place the most value on should be God's kingdom, God's will, God's will. Can you say Amen. So we give with eternity in mind. And then we place value on the eternal. Therefore, where your treasure is, your heart is also. We see the heaven as our treasure. All right. And then just to conclude, another form of giving, giving to the poor. Now, giving to the poor is very important. God places a tremendous amount of importance on giving to the poor. The following verses highlight this point. Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Wow. 
When you give to the poor, you lend it to the Lord. Proverbs 3.27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in, your, in the power of your hand to do so. Sometimes we underestimate what we can do to help people. Mark chapter 14 verse 7 Our Lord is speaking, he says this For you have the poor with you, always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not always have. In other words, you help the poor, not when the Holy Spirit tells you to, but when you want to. Some people will not move their right leg unless the Holy Spirit tells them to. <laughs> Even when, when they need to. It's a problem. God gave us a mind and a will and emotions because he sees us as being able to use our will and our common sense. So sometimes you see a need, you can help that need, you don't need God to tell you to help them. You need God to tell you not to. Ephesians chapter 4, 28, let him who stole still no longer. This was written to Christians. Let him who stole still no longer. But rather let him labor or work, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now, some of us were thieves before. I remember the first time I went to secondary school after I came back from Ghana. I was born there and then I went back. I came back from Ghana. So, my first day I went into this class, I saw a pen. This is in the 70s, hallelujah. It was one of those pens that looked like magic. You know, when you turn it, it's like snowing. You remember those pens? And then you turn it again and it's like it's dying, dying, there's no snow anymore. I was wow, and it belonged to a, a classmate. His name, I remember his name, Eric O'Reilly. This is what I remember his name. No, it wasn't Eric's, it was somebody else's. I remember Eric O'Reilly's name, there's a reason. So I saw this pen. I had just come back from the mother I've learned many techniques of life. <laughs> so I took the pen. I'm not saying that's what they taught me in Ghana. I just took the pen and I pocketed it in my blazer. The team was still still no longer. I'm just keep telling you, I used to steal sometimes. <laughs> so then the guy whose pen was there was calling me. He said, What's my pen? What's my pen? What's my pen? And then Eric O'Reilly said, he's got it. <laughs> I was like, God, I said, come on. I use my Ghanaian charm in Ghana. I don't have it. No, you got it. So they don't know he doesn't have it. My first name is what? And he said, check, check his pocket. Eric said, check his pocket. Like our families. That's for me to be my family. 
considering the poor means you are actually doing something to help them. Eternal God, this sickness, you said you will sustain me on my sick bed. Get rid of this thing. If you take my life, if this thing takes my life, I won't be able to help anybody else. I'll be in heaven, I'll be enjoying my own death, everybody, I'm dead. Heal yourself. Sometimes I like to remind God of some simple truth of this world. Think about the poor. Sometimes we know people who are finding it very difficult. They do not call themselves poor, but do know they need help. Now, I remember one day, many years ago, in the history of our church, many, many years ago, the person is not here or anywhere near me. There was a certain family that needed help. They couldn't afford food. At least that's what we were told. So as a church, we did shopping for them. We went to a uh, shop. One of them bought the shops. No, no, before they do them. Quick save. Was it quick save? Yeah, it was quick save, I remember. Huh? So we bought stuff from quick save. And when we took it, they said, no, no, I don't, don't eat quick save. I only say this. I only say this. So I said, well, they're going to start the night. Yeah. 